Welcome to Leo Rising, a tarot and creative intuition podcast. My name is Jenna Fox, and my approach to these conversations, it's less of a how-to and more of a come along on the journey with me. My way of being in the world is really influenced by my identity as a queer mama, adoptee, and witch raised in fundamental Christianity, as well as professionally as I'm steeped in the world of academia, teaching human development college classes to young people. We're talking teenagers who dropped out of high school and my licensure as a mental health counselor with a strong background in crisis work. The tarot though, man, it feels like it's the bedrock, the story underneath all of these layers that I so closely identify with. And that's what I'm here for. The conversations that I have as an introvert on this journey, where I'm talking to you, where I'm talking to others, that's what I'm here for. Let's discover that bedrock. Okay, so I'm pretty sure that this is like a January focus for me. But I have been really needing a drishti point. So in the practice of yoga, I used to do, um, well, first of all, (laughs) I started doing yoga when I was about 15 or 16, and I was still steeped really in the um, fundamentalist Christian world. And my parents were heavily opposed to yoga as a practice. And of course, I was deeply fascinated. It just, it called to me. And so I went to the school library and I uh, checked out a book and it was just on sun salutations. And so I started doing yoga in my bedroom secretly um, out of a out of a library book. So anyway, all of this to say is that in in yoga, there's this idea of having a drishti point, which is something that you focus your attention on when you're doing balancing poses. It can help to balance um, if you're kind of softly gazing at a point on the wall or on the floor or some, you know, a couple of feet ahead of you. And so it is, it's January and it's, we're coming, we've been through Capricorn season. We're now in Aquarius season and I have had a really rough start back to um, work. It's a challenging class this quarter, but I also think that it is just a challenging time for me in general. And one of the things that is helpful for me is to think about Um, having a particular thing to focus on. And so today what I wanted to talk about is the two cards that are impacting um, me. And that is the card of the year. If you add up 2019, it equals 12, which is the hanged man. And we could reduce that also down to the empress. But I feel like um, focusing on the hanged man energy is really... um, it's, it feels really important for me to not consistently always distill things down to the smallest number, um, especially since 0 to 22 is um, a card in the uh, major arcana could easily fit into that. So 
This is not a concept that I have invented. Um, I learned about it with uh, Lindsay Mack. Um, several numerologists that I follow, like Jasmine Wolf, who I interviewed last season, talk about um, finding the numbers of the year, numbers of the month, numbers of the day, etc. Um, and apparently it is also something that Mary Greer talks about. But I that's, you know, going back to like an original source that I didn't um I haven't read. So the card of the year to, for 2019 is the Hanged Man. And my personal card for this year is the sun. And the so that means last year I was in a moon year and now I'm in a sun year. And I want to talk about how I feel about that because woo, as a focus, as something to look at, I am kind of unsure. So I think I want to start with the card of my personal year, which is the sun. And it is traditionally a card of optimism and cheerfulness and things being out in the light and bright and sunny. And if you think about the traditional Rider Waite deck, um, there is like a little naked cherubic uh, baby toddler riding a horse which just as my as a mom seems really pretty dangerous and we need to not do that right and they're waving a banner um and it seems like this really bright and optimistic and cheerful cheerful card and i was actually thinking about it in the past couple of days um just from the literal point of the sun right like what the sun actually is and Typically, I'm a Pacific Northwest girl, and the sun is something that I really actually struggle with because I don't like being hot and I don't like direct sunlight. I am much more into shade bathing and I can enjoy some good sunshine when the weather is about 60, 75, maybe at most. And then I start to become like super grumpy pants. So when we're thinking about the energy of a card, I sometimes go very literal and the sun is hot and it's not really my friend. So how is this something that I'm focusing on right now, right? Like how is this an energy that I want to be paying attention to? And I want to go two directions with this because I posted an image on Instagram the other day of some beautiful, tiny little cherry blossoms that are starting to sprout up on the campus where I work. And a delightful friend of mine who lives in like the northernmost countries um, of Norway, and they still have like ice and snow and it's like dark and cold. And we were having this conversation about climate change. And in the Pacific Northwest, there tends to be years where, and I'm not sure if it's El Nino or La Nina, but where we tend to have really light winters. And then there will be another year where we will have um, really challenging snow, um, which happened the year that I got married. It was called Snowmageddon. So, so far it's, you know, end of January and we have not had any snow and we haven't really had tons of rain it's, there's been rain and been overcast, um, but the sun has been out and it's actually something that came, you know, it came out in the last couple of days 
to the point where yesterday I spent some time out in the garden. Um, and by garden, I mean my wild backyard that is not cultivated, is not growing anything intentionally. But I figured that I could start paying some attention and some love to the plants that are really budding right now. I trimmed back some rhododendron bushes and I clipped my roses to hopefully have like um, some beautiful wild rose bushes this um, this summer and was generally just trying to kind of clean up some of the muck from the fall that I hadn't gotten around to. And it was sunny. And I have been sending messages to my friends, um, you know, video messaging outside, sitting on the back porch, drinking a cup of coffee. And just right now, the sun is something that I really, really, really need. Um, because January and February and sometimes into March are my hardest months. And I have kind of been a wreck. Now, here's the thing when you live with mental health issues. Um, and I like to say living with them rather than suffering, although some days it feels like suffering a lot of days, actually, is that I am very, very functional in my depression. And I think that that is actually in some ways a real detriment to my own ability to claim um, mental health treatment and to not ask for help necessarily, but to receive the help that I actually need in my life um, because I'm so functional. Within my depression, I am holding down a full-time job and I am parenting and I'm driving my kids to birthday parties and I'm hanging out with friends and I'm going to coffee and I'm doing all the things and I'm really struggling, really, really struggling. And how it really shows up in my life is... I have never been officially diagnosed by a psychiatrist. I've only ever seen a general practitioner and I see a counselor, a therapist. Typically in the mental health world, and this is just, you know, kind of a little bit of information as somebody who is a licensed mental health counselor, typically in the mental health world, they go with what they consider like the, um, the rule outs. So before you would ever be diagnosed with something that is pretty considered extreme in the mental health world, they typically start with what are like low offending or like really common diagnoses, anxiety, depression, or like um, seasonal affective disorder, adjustment disorder, right? In kids, this often shows up as getting a diagnosis of ADHD, um, which then as, as young people tend to head into 18, 19, 20 years old, that diagnosis may be reevaluated as bipolar disorder. Um, but they try to not put uh, bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or like any of the personality disorders um, on young children. Um, there's actually some like rules about that. And so they start with these things that are kind of like, well, we're going to rule out because the symptoms could be explained by, you know, X, we're going to treat it as it's X unless like until otherwise. So technically my depressions are, are general anxiety and depression. And I honestly think from all of my experience, <laughs> the stuff that I've written and the stuff that I've read and my just lived experience that I have obsessive compulsive disorder, which I think tends to exacerbate into depression or anxiety. Um, 
but I'm not entirely sure because I am not a psychiatrist. Now, if you were my husband, you'd be like, why not just go see a psychiatrist and get an actual diagnosis? Well, when you're struggling with mental health issues, it's hard to want to put yourself in the system and, you know, go through all of the, the hoops and the jumping and the blah, blah, blah. Right. So, yep, lots of excuses on my end, but I have a diagnosis that sort of seems to work for me. Well, how it shows up in my life is in, in these current moments is irritability and a short fuse and kind of an inability to dream bigger than my current moment. And I get real short and snappy with the kids. I yell more. And in my classroom, I'm more irritated by behavior that say in fall quarter wouldn't annoy me like showing up late you know, and, and I'm noticing this in very specific ways, because in fall quarter, I had a student who showed up late every single day. And I would make a joke about it. And I just I had a little like more of a removed, like, you know, just, yeah, I was just more removed. And I was more lighthearted and poked fun. And now, you know, it's happening this quarter, and I'm like locking the door and making them stand outside and wait until I'm done talking. And then I let them in. And it just, it's, it's frustrating to me. So I've been really heavy hitting the um, herbal remedies and trying to manage my depression and slash anxiety that way. And it really hasn't been working. So I'm kind of on that, um, that level of, you know, something's got to change in the next week or two. Otherwise, I'm going to have to go the pharmaceutical route, which is not really my favorite. I'm saying this in conjunction with the sun because sunshine helps when it is a sunny day and I get outside in the sun and I'm moving my body and I'm physically um, outside, I feel better. It isn't long lasting. Um, it's in it. It's like a it's like a temporary uh, relief. And I guess I should say when I'm telling you all of this, I'm not really looking for um, sympathy and I'm not really looking for um, other things to try. I have a really long list of things that I do and I've tried and I continue to try. I love the Google and I love researching different things and I have a great network of people. I, by saying this stuff, there is nothing deficient in my community. It's not like people are failing me and not helping support me. And although we could talk about how capitalism uh, impacts mental health, right? Um, but bringing things out into the light and enjoying um, the sunshine is something that I um, have been really wanting to, um, yeah, to just take advantage of. It's been really nice in the Pacific Northwest, and it's probably a result of climate change and global warming that the winters are warmer. And right now, it's sort of helping my mental health to get outside. But one of the other things that I've been thinking about when I'm not kind of feeling sort of stuck in my depression, um, which is also showing up as kind of a, an inability to rest deeply, to really, really rest. When I sleep, I'm not feeling rested when I wake up, which is hard then to continue to feel like you're running on like it's like there's a slow leak in the gas tank y'all 
Um, but to bring things out into the light and to claim them and to say, this is kind of what I, um, what I want to do. And I'm pretty sure that I mentioned this on the podcast the last time I talked, but sometimes when I go into these, um, stream of consciousness chatting about my life into the void and knowing that you dear listeners are going to pick up whatever threads that are pertinent to you and you're going to pay attention. I sometimes actually, frankly, most times forget what I've said, forget what I've shared. And it's funny because friends or, you know, uh, people on Instagram will like say something like a reminder of like, or, you know, they're, they're striking up a conversation about an episode. And I like, honestly don't remember what I've said. So one of the things that I have realized in this last week is that I am not a teacher. Now I work as a teacher, right? So my actual occupation is as a teacher, but as an instructor, But I realized that I am not identifying with that as a sole purpose in my life. And that really, 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 truly, deeply down in my bones, I am a story keeper. And if we were to think about um, tribal living and the way things, quote unquote, used to be, I am somebody who wants to gather stories. I want to hold people's stories. I want people to be able to tell me stories and I want them to feel heard and listened to and ref- and have their stories be reflected back and out at them and at the world. And I that is that is my purpose and I want to tell stories. I want to tell stories from my life and I want to tell stories from other people's lives. Um, and really where this came up is last summer, I was working with a woman that went to my church who, um, was dying of cancer and she wanted me to help her write her book. And it's, it's a non, it's a, it's a fiction book based on her life. Um, it's based on her life, but she has, um, fictionalized aspects of it. And, you know, she passed away in October and it's something that I'm still slowly kind of working through. But I had, I had an almost opportunity in the last couple of weeks to work with a stranger on a project where she also wanted her story, um, written and recorded. And while she canceled the meeting, um, It really sparked in me that this is what I want to do. And so in addition to being a tarot reader and being an instructor and wanting to write my own book and writing um, workshops and things like that, is that I really want to go into the field of uh, personal historian and I want to start small. I want to start by marketing this and talking to the my parents' friends and my in-laws' friends and people that are kind of close in the community. And, and there's something about that inside me that feels like um, that is calling back in community and calling back in um, a sense of um, this, this old way that I would, of course, want to start with people that I know or that I'm connected with in some way. And my goal for this, this isn't something that I just like, you know, came up out of my own beautiful brain. Um, On the internet, there are also other people who do this. And it is personal historian is a 
is kind of a term for helping people um, write their stories, dictate, um, you know, they would dictate their stories to me. I would type them up and possibly offer, um, you know, uh, the ability to kind of either keep it in a Word document, print it out, publish it into a small like book. And this, the, the impetus for this is really when my husband's grandpa died, one of my sister-in-laws, she, um, she was a teacher and one of her former students took a word document that the grandpa had written called grandpa tales. And all she did was publish it in a book for, for our family members. And it was it's so meaningful, you know, um, to have these stories because when people pass on, um, so much of the ability to, um, connect with them to get your questions answered there, it's gone. And we may have half fragmented memories of the people like my grand grandma or grandparents. And, and some people may remember parts of the story, but there's some, something beautiful about hearing from that person very um, specifically. So I've shopped this idea around a little bit to, you know, I've talked with my mother-in-law and I've talked to some friends and everybody thinks that it's a really great idea. And, and of course it would not be just, um, designated for older people or people on hospice or anything like that. But this idea of having some of my, um, my stories, your stories, your mom's stories, your dad's stories, your grandma's stories, your grandpa's stories, your great aunt's stories, um, written in a way where it's directly from that person who lived that experience and can tell me that, you know, they wore black and white saddle shoes and, a and had their hair and curlers and, and whatever little tiny details from their life, um, is so meaningful. And to then be able to have something that the future or, um, the generations can continue to hang on to because, I think some of this is my um, growing up as an adoptee. I've always been interested in stories. I've been interested in my adoptive family stories. I've been interested in my biological family stories. And um, when I met my biological dad, his one of his cousins, cousins, second cousins, something to that effect, had actually published my great great grandma's and great great grandpa's um diaries and they were um settler cult colino um doing the whole colonization thing right which is is hard to read and to know that my family fits into a part of history that was so painful for indigenous um folks and for the land um but reading it it's actually part of it is really pretty boring um, because the way that they, they wrote their diary, she wrote her diary was just bought five pounds of sugar today. Right. You know, and it's like, wow, that's not really compelling, but it was the letters that she wrote um, when her husband was away or to her friends and this, they were all saved. They were all saved. And in the beginning of the book, she has this letter that's like to my descendants who may be curious what it was like to travel across the country in a covered wagon and you know very Laura Ingalls Wilder stuff here so um that is what I'm I'm naming is that I am not a teacher and I don't think I've ever been a teacher and and I know I've known that 
But I feel like when you hop on the um, podcast microphone, that there is a, um, and and this could just be my own perspective shift that needed to happen, but that there's sort of a, I guess, like a preconceived notion that the person on the other end is some type of authority and teacher. And I'm claiming my strength and and my authority to be here and to tell these stories. But ultimately, what I want in my community, what I want for us, is that it is a community of storytelling. And it is um, us sharing our stories, rather than just sharing wisdom or knowledge or book learning or a how-to, right? Which is what I say in the beginning of the podcast anyway. Which this perspective shift is something that brings me into talking about the card of the year for all of us worldwide. (laughs) We're all in 2019. And the card of the hanged man is I... I've talked about it before, about how when when my kids run on the playground and they see the bars and they just like hang on them and they want to like flip upside down and taking a playful perspective to looking at the world in a different way. And I also recognize how challenging that is because it's something that I've been really thinking about and bouncing these ideas off with my friends um, because I've been struggling in my job as a teacher and trying to figure out how to look at things differently, how to look at myself differently, how to look at my class differently, trying to figure out what my ego is versus what is the the true and the pure energy that I want to bring in. Um, and it's it's been a real challenge. And so, you know, if we think about the the hanged man card, it's somebody kind of with a peaceful, typically a peaceful um, expression on their face. They're hanging upside down. They've got this like glowing halo. And apparently in history, this idea of this hanged man, um, where it came from is that there would be people who would go out into kind of the wilderness and tie themselves up like that and they would hang upside down in order to induce um, spiritual experiences, right, to see the world differently and to put themselves in vulnerable positions where um, they would be visited by visions, um, which is is interesting to me that sometimes we have to um, we have to be really intentional about seeking out a different way of seeing the world. And that if we get stuck and caught in in our just kind of like we're fish swimming in the water and we forget that we're in the water and to, to even ask, like, is this water clean? Like, why am I in this water? Right. So I have an example from this week. I teach one of the classes I teach is about civics and citizenship. And we were having this conversation about uh, so the University of Washington two years ago created a class called Calling BS Data Reasoning in a Digital World. And of course, it's kind of a clickbait title, right? It's a class where they want it was three credit class and they wanted students to like sign up for it. And it's really a statistics class that's looking at 
um, how data is manipulated and how we can kind of be better consumers of information. So I bring some of it's in its open source. So the um, the creators of this class have have their pub um, their syllabus published online and their video lectures and all this stuff. So I use some of it um, as a starting point. And one of the questions I asked my students was, "Do you need a college degree? Do you need to be here? Is this the right program for you?" And many of them, their eyes were wide <laughs> when I asked this question question of like, why are you actually here? Do you need to be here to do what you want to do? And I had one student who raised her hand and was like, well, I want to be a nurse. So I need to have a college degree. And I was like, why? Why is it? Why is our system set up that a nurse would need to take sociology or history or, you know, uh, creative writing? And she kind of just looked taken aback. And I said, what, what if being a nurse meant starting at 18 or however old you are and you start in the hospital and you're trained under a nurse who knows what they're doing and they can teach you all the things to be a nurse? And students seemed dumbfounded. Now, and then, of course, at the end of the little lecture, I was like, you guys, of course, I believe in education. And I think this is a great program for you all and some, you know, something that you need to, to do and be a part of and whatever. But the ability, ability to even ask the questions to imagine what would it look like? What would it look like if nurses didn't need to go to college, but trained under nurses who knew what they were doing or doctors who knew what they were doing, right? I don't know. I don't know what that would look like. What if the student who wants to be an, an electrician had access to those courses and that apprenticeship at my college instead of kind of wasting two years to get their associate's degree that's attached to their high school diploma only to have to transfer to another community college to get a different associate's degree? You know, um, what if the system was different? What if it was different? And I think that there's a little bit of that in this hanged man, um, or maybe a lot of that in this hanged man is changing perspectives and doing it on purpose and putting yourself in an uncomfortable position to examine your own beliefs and your own um, way of being in the world and saying, is this working? Does something need to be changed? And that was the thing that I wanted my students to take away was we're going to be talking about calling BS and we're going to be talking about fake news and we're going to be talking about, and it, you know, it could easily, you know, um, escalate into uh, Fox News versus CNN versus whatever. And I was like, I really, really, my thing is that I want you to evaluate why do you believe certain sources? Why do you hold on to this? Why is your identity wrapped up in this particular thing that you have, right? And if at the end of the day, you choose to take that identity back on, you've done it in a more skillful way because you've been thinking about things. And so 2019 for me, in the first three weeks, I've, you know, three weeks of, of the, the year, I've already been thinking about so much my relationship to my students, my relationship to my kids, my relationship to holistic mental wellness, um, my relationship to social media. 
and how there's been days that I've said in the last like week, particularly that I kind of miss having a concussion because then I had a, a pretty damn good excuse to not be on social media. And I don't mean for others. I don't mean like I have to justify why I'm not posting to other people, but more for myself, the way that I'm seeing myself in the world. So having these two cards is something to just pay attention to, something to kind of notice or focus on, not in a, um, you know, in a bad way, I guess it would say, or like a, a strict or rigid or whatever, but just to like, hmm, noticing how, how is it for you? I would love to know what your, um, what your year card is. And the way you do that is you just, you know, add up the, um, the numbers in your, um, birthday with 2019 instead of the date of your, the, you know, the actual year of your birth. Um, I would love to know what card or what cards you're focusing on or cards that you're kind of seeing or you're noticing. Maybe, you know, you did a year ahead reading, like I could add in, I know I talked about last week, the chariot, you know, the chariot is my month. I drew an animal card and it was raccoon. So like these things that are kind of, um, think like landmarks, right? They're like cairns on my, on my journey. They're the gas station on the corner that I pass every single day. And I can just like not notice it at all for like six days. And then one day I just like pay just a little bit of attention to it. And, you know, I see something or I don't see something or it doesn't matter. I'm just noticing. Um, so that's the thoughts that I have for you today around hangman and the sun and how they're showing up in my life and kind of this new way that I am seeing myself and showing up in the world as I'm certainly not perfect, muddling through and trying to consistently be honest as I'm doing that. So would love to hear your thoughts. Reach out on Instagram at Leo Rising Tarot or, you know, leorisingtarot at gmail.com. I'll talk with you guys soon. Hey friends, thanks for listening to Leo Rising, a tarot and creative intuition podcast. As of January 2021, this podcast and all of the information is archived. So feel free to listen to the episodes. The wisdom of the tarot is everlasting. But much of the information about um, booking a reading from people has changed in the last couple of years. So know that there isn't a tarot um, Instagram account or email address or way to get a hold of me for readings at this point. And of course, I will update that in the future if it changes.